Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Happy Epiphany, y'all. Epiphany. Who knows what Epiphany is? Like, who grew up, like, or at least some point in your adult life began hearing about Epiphany before Life in Deep Ellum started? So we have a few folks, a few folks. Um, so Epiphany is a celebration. January 6th, this past Wednesday, was the actual day where the Feast of Epiphany. So Epiphany is a feast. Um, and the whole idea of Epiphany is that Christ, who we celebrated being born, is revelation in the earth. It's God revel- God's revelation in the earth. And so Epiphany has a dual celebration as a feast. It celebrates both the birth of Christ and the presence of um, God's revelation in the earth. And then it also celebrates what is to come, what has already been prophesied in the Old Testament through the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. So it's a celebration. It's a feast that celebrates those dual things of what it means to have Christ in the earth. And so that's what we're celebrating today. Um, it primarily, um, because we like to focus as good Christian community folks, it primarily commemorates the Magi visiting the baby Jesus and bringing the gifts. And so um, Eastern traditions often call it theophany because it's focused on Jesus. Um, and see it as a manifestation of harmony and this idea that when he was born, he was fully human. And that through his baptism, he became fully divine, right? When the whole dove came down in the visitation and this is my son of whom I am well pleased, right? And so today we celebrate the Christian festival. It was this whole thing, just so you know, you're like, oh my gosh, but today's the ninth. Like, and we've been doing Advent for a very long time. It's been a whole thing since July, in my clergy mom groups and my clergy groups, are y'all doing early epiphany or late epiphany? Are you going to do it on the second? Or are you going to do it on the ninth? Are you gonna... It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. We decided we all needed a whole lot more magic in our lives and a lot more stillness. So we decided we're going to stretch it all <laughs> out as long as we can. So I was in the late epiphany crowd and we decided to do January 9th, which is today. Um, so we celebrate epiphany, not only because of God's grace, and God's generosity, given how we have been walking through the story of Advent, we, we, as Christian community, also need to talk about the revelation that Joseph experienced. We celebrate Epiphany not only because of God's grace and God's generosity, but because God used a man named Joseph, whose lineage and position and power was something that God could leverage on behalf of humanity to give us a Messiah so that the Messiah could emerge in the earth as it had been prophesied. So whether you have a high Christology perspective and you see Joseph's part as this devout, obedient, like, oh my gosh, honor, right? That you have to, and a high Christology is this idea Um, of Christ and salvation being so sacred, right? That it's completely separate. It's completely like, oh my gosh, it's a big deal. Joseph thought it was a big deal. 
And so Joseph did these things. He protected and provided for Mary and, and Jesus because he was devout and obedient. Or whether you have more of a casual or lower Christological perspective and you see Joseph's part as confused and merely compliant. I don't know what God's doing here. I had a plan. Well, fine. (laughs) We'll go along with this. It seems to be happening anyway. It doesn't matter. Christ is born. So without Joseph's participation, whether devout or compliant, the prophecies of a Messiah were hard to fulfill if we don't have Joseph. And so how does one go from a well-positioned, powerful community pillar to a venerated saint who is believed within Christian community and God's church to have done such holy work? Is it a life goal? Is it a plan that can be devised alongside your therapist and your coach as you consider your strengths and growth opportunities and where you want to be in five to ten years? I don't think that's what happened to Joseph. Do you plan to be used by God? Is that how it happens? The answer is no, actually. (laughs) Especially when we look at the story and the character of Joseph. And so, um, if you have your Bibles available to you, either on your devices or you grabbed one from the back, or if you'd like one, someone can help you find them in the back. We're going to spend a little time in several different um, scriptures. We're going to start in Matthew 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved. Hmm, New Year. Let's make some resolutions, huh? He resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Saying, Joseph, son of David... Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So that's not the first time that a devout, respectable man of God had a plan. And God was like, and no. Scripture actually encourages us to prepare rather than to plan prepare. (laughs) What does it mean to prepare, especially if we separate it from the idea of planning? Like a lot of time we use that, we use those words interchangeably. So what exactly is that? Okay, so the definition of prepare is to make something ready for use or consideration. So similar to the idea of making something ready or getting it ready, putting it together, drawing it up, producing it, developing it. 
But why exactly is preparation, particularly when we look at the stories through scripture, why exactly is preparation better than planning? See, when you plan, you make, you know what you need to do. How many of you, as we've walked through the stories of Joseph or from what you can recall from Joseph or maybe from Moses or maybe from Isaac, I, like, how many of you felt like any of these people knew what they were doing? Right, right, right. So when you plan, you need to know what you're going to do. There it goes. I, I can't plan then. Joseph couldn't plan. However, when you prepare, you're ready to do the work no matter what it is. No matter what happens, no matter what pops up, no matter if the plans change, you are prepared. See, planning is good. Knowing what you need to do is a great first step. But preparation oftentimes is even better. It readies you to do the actual work. And many times when we plan and we execute without assessing whether or not we're prepared, I have a plan. My plan is done. It must be time to do it. When we plan and execute without assessing whether or not we are prepared, we might actually end up failing. And so Epiphany reminds us that God has a plan. There's already a plan and that our invitation of faith and our role in Christian community is to actually not plan. There's already a plan, but to prepare together. We find in Isaiah 41 through 11, when the prophecy of the Messiah coming into the earth was shared with us. It reads, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Cool. How many of you would like your hard service to be completed right now? A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places become a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. The glory of the Lord will be revealed in my, in my sticky notes and my task list. In my plan. No. The way of the Lord will be revealed if we go back to the beginning of the section. In the wilderness when we prepare a way for the Lord. Preparation is, I'll grab an extra bottle of juice. I don't know. I don't, I don't need it. I don't have any plans for it. The recipe only calls for one. And then you have to remake the recipe because your oven isn't quite getting warm enough. The plan is the recipe. You foiled it the last time. But this idea, this intuition, I might just, you know, find myself in a wilderness in some way. I might need this later. Is it well thought out? Do you know that it's true? Not necessarily. The prophet Isaiah's message was that God is both the judge and the savior. We were going to have God the father and Jesus the Christ. This means that God has a plan to make all things right in the end and that a necessary part of that process is declaring 
If it's not the end, then that must mean all things are not right yet. Most things are probably not right yet, depending on where we are and how close to the end we actually are. Oh, and we don't know that part. The message of the prophet Isaiah, when telling of the forecoming of the Christ child, was that the judgment of God declares that what is broken in this earth, God intends to heal. That's the promise. That is the gift of epiphany. Whether it's the three kings bringing the presents to the baby Jesus, or whether it is the dove descending and Christ becoming fully divine in that moment of baptism with John. When that moment is described in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, it says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Hmm. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make paths straight for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. Not in my spreadsheet. Not in my checklist. Not as my Australian voice, Siri, reminding me to make a right here. But in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of our sins. The whole Judean countryside and the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so in the moment of epiphany, where the Christ child born but believed only by faith to be the Messiah in Bethlehem all those years ago was baptized by his cousin in the wilderness, the Trinity was made complete. God the Father and God the Son, we needed them. We need them. But it is the roles of Joseph and John, fully human, fully men, in wilderness and bewildered, that make the way for the Holy Spirit, that make the way for the Trinity to be complete. Advent, the season we're wrapping up today with Epiphany as the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Hebrew Bible and the Gospel of Christ, the stories of foundation and the stories of salvation. The story of Epiphany is the revelation in the earth that God has a plan. So you can stop trying to come up with one. And not only does God have a plan, it includes each of us the whole earth and all that is in it. As we saw in Isaiah, the emphasis is that the plan that works out in scripture and more often than not, 
When we find plans in the scripture, if it's not the plan of God, it usually doesn't work. And I don't know about you, but that's typically also how it works in my life. See, God does not intend for us to figure out God's plan or to create one and present it like Shark Tank and see if it'll be better. God's invitation to us by taking care of the planning is that we can simply prepare. We can surrender. We can discern and we can heed all of the opportunities that being a part of God's plan, God's story, allows us. Connecting this back to Advent story, Joseph had a plan. It was not the one that would have made him the venerated saint of the universal church, however. Remember, his plan was to put Mary away quietly. You don't get to be Jesus's dad if you divorce his mom. It's not how that works. So Joseph's character as protector and provider of the mother and the child. It shows up powerful when Joseph releases his plan and chooses instead to commune and allow divine presence and community to prepare his soul for the earth shattering and soul rocking transformation that would be his son. In the gentlest way possible through a baby. Now, much like the babies, the angels disrupted his sleep repeatedly to let him know (laughs) what to do next. But it's much gentler than we often experience when we decide to roll over in the middle of the night when those angels visit us. When we pick up our phone or we throw the covers off of us in frustration and haste and wonder why we can't sleep this time. Through a baby. Earth-shattering, soul-rocking transformation came through a baby. It could have been a meteor. The movies love that one. I'd much prefer a baby. Scripture tells us that we must always be ready to tell others of the good news. We must always be prepared. So how do we prepare? What do we do to stay ready? In Matthew 25, 1 through 13, the story of the 10 virgins. There were five of them that were foolish and five that were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. They weren't prepared. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. The wise had took flasks of oil with their lamps. But at the midnight, at midnight, there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, 
Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut afterward. The other virgins came along saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. See, here's the thing. All ten virgins knew the plan. (laughs) Knowing the plan is not the key. The key is, are you prepared? And how exactly do we prepare? Well, the story of the nativity helps us understand that we prepare... And the story of the virgins, we prepare by stoking our light. Not burning yourself out. The story of the nativity through Joseph we see to be discerning. We may have a plan, but if we get woken up in the middle of the night by an angel or a baby, maybe we should figure it out. We learn from Joseph that one of the ways that we prepare is to accept the uncertainties. We learn this as well from the ten virgins. The bridegroom was delayed. Oh, I can take a nap. Don't lose hope. Joseph was moved and moved his family, a pregnant lady and then a lady with a baby, all over Jerusalem. To encourage one another. The wise men came bearing gifts. Something to just take them to the next step and let them know, hey, I see what you're doing and I think it's amazing. To live as if today was the day. Joseph lived as if today was the day that Herod would come and try to kill the child that was promised to be the Messiah. He never heard from an angel or got wisdom from God and was like, oh, you know, we'll get to that. Whether the angel really came to him in a dream or whether the angel came to him through a painting or whether the angel came to him audibly with a voice or through pictures in his head of things he had remembered, The idea was when the word of God came to him, he acted and lived as if today was the day that it meant something. And so what happens when when you do those things? What happens when you have boundaries and you keep yourself from burning out? What happens when you do your best to be discerning? What happens when you accept uncertainties? And what happens when you don't lose hope? And what happens when you encourage one another? And what happens is if you live each day as if God means what God says to you? What happens when you do that? What happens when you prepare? Does your life get easier? Um, No. Joseph moved like three times before the baby was six months old. I'm just saying, I'm on a camel. I don't think it got easier. But it does help you focus on what will keep you from burning out and what will keep you encouraged. And sometimes it's just making it to that next day that is the revelation. (laughs) That's the epiphany. 
You're ready for the unexpected. I'm pretty sure when the angel visited the first time to a devout, very Jewish boy and said, go to Bethlehem, he figured that was the last time he'd really have to move again for that big of a deal. And then they were like, yeah, no. Okay, good. You're registered here. Now go back. So being prepared means being more intentional than just hoping and praying things will work out. Being intentional means that you believe that you can hear from God and that what God wants for you and what you want for you are the best thing for you. Not what someone else says is the best thing for you, Not what God told your mom was the best thing for her. But that you believe that God will send an angel or a camel or three strangers with weird gifts. And that they're for you. Liturgically, Advent is a season of preparation. A time of darkness and stillness bursting with anticipation for us of the coming birth of Christ. In our everyday lives, preparing for the presence of Jesus is a practice that cultivates deep, meaningful relationships with those around us. It's why we love the lights. It's why we love the candles. It's why we love the stories. We get to tell them to each other, and we get to name who told them to us all those years ago. Advent cultivates the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. As a season of preparation that we observe now, I often wonder, what did it look like for Joseph to prepare? What did it look like for Joseph to surrender his plans for his betrothed? It wasn't apathy because he put her on a camel and then took her across the like 8 million miles. So surrender is an apathy. It's acceptance. Joseph discerns. There's an awareness that something's going on here, even if I don't understand what it is. An observance of as many things as he can hold. And an observance of what he can no longer hold. The angel did not come to Joseph and give him wisdom when he was making a spreadsheet or making a list. The bridegroom did not come to the ten virgins while they were at the store buying oil. They were asleep. Y'all, we can rest. Take a nap. Somehow, even in being aware of our limits, Interdependence and communion emerge. Discernment isn't about being strategic. Discernment is, I recognize that I have moments where God and me are aligned. And from those moments, those glimpses, those visitations, those disruptions, Joseph heeds. 
He heeds the interruptions, the disruptions, the invitations as evidence of the divine presence in the earth. Yes, still, Christ is still with us. That revelation, that act of preparation of being still enough to discern, Joseph's preparation led to communion and legacy. He is forever known as the man who provided and protected for Jesus and Mary. For the ones that we hold sacred, for the ones who we say gave us our whole life, Joseph made that possible. simply by communing with God and believing. So the hope, the peace, the love, the faith, the joy, the Messiah of this season is still with us and will be with us and always will be with us if we, if you and I are prepared to receive him, prepared to offer him our gifts, The presence of Christ provides and protects our entire being. It isn't perfection. It's preparation that makes room for Christ. Like the Magi, like John the Baptist, like even God. The celebration of Epiphany is a communal and historic reminder that the presence of Christ elicits something from you, that you can never plan for it. Yet and still, we can always be prepared to accept the guidance of God, the communion of angels, the provision of community, and most of all, the gift of a Messiah. salvation and hope in the earth. Are you prepared? Mm-hmm.